Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast, conversations about impact, where entrepreneurs and leaders share how they have impact, the sweet moments, and the challenges. I'm your host, Ursula York. I help entrepreneurs grow successful businesses that make a difference in the world. Impact is more than mission, more than purpose, even more than your why. Impact is where your unique self and business meet the world and contribute to making it better for all of us. These stories are here to inspire and energize you so you can have your own unique impact. Today's guest on the podcast is Chris Hutchinson. Since 2002, hundreds of organizations and executive leaders have trusted Chris Hutchinson and his company, Trebuchet Group, to help them achieve great accomplishments through creating great teams. Chris brings together real-world experience to support leaders who feel the weight of their company on their shoulders and are frustrated by teams not achieving their potential. As author of Ripple, a field manual for leadership that works, Chris brings together field-tested practices for leaders to improve their personal impact and create long-lasting results. Welcome to the podcast, Chris. I'm delighted to have you here. I am delighted as well. <laughs> so your work is primary, primarily focused on teams and leadership. And there, I mean, let's face it, there's a lot of companies out there that do that kind of thing. So what's unique about the Trebuchet Group and what you do? What's unique about us, I think, and that's a fantastic question because it's really easy to get lumped into, oh, yeah, those are those leadership teamwork guys, you know, right. we have the sumo suits and the foam swords and, you know, <laughs> let people do battle. I right. think the thing that makes us a bit different is that we make sure that we are helping stretch and staying within our client's agenda. So hmm. we're not sort of, there's a lot of folks that come in and like, where are your problems? Where are you bleeding? Let's pull out the first aid kit and fix you up and pat you on the back and send you into the game. And I think that what we do is say, hey, how are things going? And where would you, you know, if you can imagine it, where would you really like to be? Sort of what's holding you back? And then how might we help you with that? And it's not a, we have the answers, we'll impose them. It's really figuring out where people are in their journey as leaders, as team members, as, I mean, as a whole business. And then sort of projecting that forward with them and saying, how can we help you get there? I think that makes a big difference because, frankly, we've had a lot of our clients that are dealing with a consultant that's like, this is the right way, do these three steps or you're doomed. And, and that just, that's not really, doesn't feel good to people. I mean, it might be a really good three steps, but it might not fit here. So mm -hmm. trying to tailor it very specifically to the needs and the desires of the team and the leader, I think, make us different. I'm sure there's a lot of people who do that as well, but uh, that personal connection is really important to us. Yeah, well, and it's not... I mean, nobody likes to be told what to do. You want to have a, a real dialogue and conversation about it. And uh, that sounds like what you do. Absolutely. I mean, uh, somebody once told me, they said, um, and they were talking about leaders. And I had this reinforced with my, my I don't want to do what you tell me, daughters uh, and my kids. It was like people desperately want to learn, but in no way want to be taught. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really great saying. I love that. Yeah. yeah, it works. It works pretty well with everybody, maybe even me too. <laughs> well, um, I know that uh, in I guess I think it was last year you became a certified B Corp, and mm -hmm. I'm wondering why did you decide to do that? I there I'm in the process myself, so I know there's a lot of work involved. So what's what's been valuable about it? What how is it playing out in your business? 
I think it gave us a nudge in the direction that we were already going um, in terms of some things like, for instance, uh, as we looked at it. So we work with a lot of companies, frankly, and several of them were certified B Corps and employee ownership was part of their culture. And so it really, when we were looking back and we tend to do a lot of self-reflection, um, I also was aided by a CEO was sort of like, hey, wh why aren't you a certified B Corp? And I'm like, yeah, why are we not a certified B Corp? Because we're doing many of the things or at the time we were. It nudged us to switch from a national to a local bank. It nudged us to um, go a little bit more deep into healthcare that we were doing. We went to full reimbursement of the of all the well pay, payment for all the um, whatever they call it, the base rate that you pay. And and so there were some things that we just said, these are cool. We're doing them anyway. And wouldn't it be neat to be connected with a community of people who already are work, working to make business a force for good, working mm -hmm. to do something beyond making a buck. Yeah. So do you find you're working with B Corps and other kind of impact focused companies more often now? It's about the same. That's yeah. It, we haven't, I think it's, we've only been there for like a year and a half, uh, maybe it's two <laughs> years now. And I think it's something where in any community, it takes a while to get known and to connect with people. Um, we work with a lot of, I think, impact-based businesses anyway. So it was definitely kind of a, well, sure, we'll just do this too. And we're trying to figure out how do we serve B Corp. So we've been, in fact, calling around and asking people, hey, you're, you're B Corp. What are you doing? And here's what we're doing. And maybe we're a resource for you or for somebody else you know. And so we're really trying to help build the community at the same time, grow the impact we're making as well. Well, I'm really impressed with the kind of sense of community among B Corps. That's certainly been my early experience. And it's, uh, it's pretty amazing how connected those companies are. Yeah, it, I think that I, I agree. And I think some communities like ours and uh, ours being Port Collins, Colorado, and we also have an employee now in Portland, Oregon. Uh, one of the B Corp folks said it's kind of a dumbbell distribution. You have a couple really big companies that are B Corps and lots of little companies that are B Corps and the middle is a little bit sparse. So um, those senses of community, I think even bringing those two edges together has a lot of power. Hmm. I've never heard anybody speak about it that way, but that's true in terms of the size of companies and mm -hmm. yeah, bringing people. Let's get some middle-sized companies that are really doing it and growing <laughs> to be, you know, if they want to be big, great, but th that may not be their full goal. goal. It's more the impact that they're trying to make positively. Right. Yeah. Well, why is it important to you personally to have impact? And I, I mean, when I say impact, I'm thinking of um, the way I define impact is where your unique self meets the world and contributes to making it better for all of us. So in that context, what, what's, why is that important to you? It, it goes back quite a ways. I mean, even um, trebuchet in our name, trebuchet group, is, uh, it's a medieval siege engine that sort of looks like a catapult. And it's a very ah. simple set of like a lever arm and a weight and a pivot and a sling. But aligned together, they make an outsized impact. Ah. So um, it's negative, right? But we, we're doing the positive thing. We don't launch people into the space or anything. <laughs> but I, I think that impact is so important. There's, um, it's probably, I, I'm a recovering engineer. You can hear that in the system kind of thinking there. <laughs> and, and I met a lot of really amazing people who are brilliant thinkers and the ideas never got to fruition because they never sort of touched the ground. Uh, or people were either, maybe the people on the ground were sort of afraid of it or didn't know it or it's change or, hey, I, I'd like things to be different, but I don't want to change. And so really trying to figure out how can we help people work together more effectively so that they can have a collective impact. Because when we have it, when a team is gelled and we're working really hard and we're covering for each other, I mean, there's, to me, little 
times in my life that have been more fun and interesting than that. And so it's like, how could we help more people have more of those experiences? Mm -hmm. So that having that deep impact where every person on the team has that place where you're saying passion and results are coming together. I mean, that organization is going to do amazing things. I mean, you do. Well, and I, I mean, I, I love that perspective of how can we help every person on the team have that impact? Because ideally people are doing what they are able to bring most powerfully to the team mm -hmm. and they'll be able to do that work and contribute at the same time. It's a little bit of a tricky, maybe a Goldilocks curve we use a lot, you know, too little, too much, just right. Right. Because I know, I, at least my sense is sometimes, in fact, I've re seen some sort of criticism recently, which I thought was effective around if you have to find your shining magic purpose, you know, and that's going to fulfill your entire life, that sort of sets a lot of people for disappointment because we may have glimpses of that and the times we work more in that, but there's a lot of taking out the trash and, you know, changing mm -hmm. diapers or whatever those things are. It's like, wow, this is not fun and it's really, I got to do it. So, so how do we get to that place where there's, it's purpose inspired and people are doing all the work that they need to do to help us move somewhere or do something. And they go home and, you know, put their head in the pillow and go, that was a great day. You know, there was some hard stuff and it was a great day. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, one of the hard parts, I, I've, I've had a training and development company myself, this is years ago. And mm -hmm. one of the, one of the most challenging things about it with of any engagement around teams is creating meaningful change and lasting results. Yes. So oh my how do you, how do you get there and how do you measure that even? Um, well, two good questions. So the first one, how do you get there? I, I think part of it is, um, and, and I can't remember where I got this from, but I definitely, it's a little mantra is that people own what they help create. So part of it is really having, creating a space that people can feel courageous enough. I might not be able to make it safe, but we can make it create where people feel courageous enough to share what's really important to them. And the more of that that we can get in the table, if you imagine, you know, you've seen the Venn diagrams, so the overlapping circles, sort of, imagine everybody's circle overlapped, right? It, it might be a, kind of a small dot in the middle, but if that's what we did, everybody gets something out of it. I mean, the more overlap there is, the better. So... Part of that is really um, starting with a leader. Hey, here's what I believe is important. Here's what we see is, is critical. What do you think? How would you add to this? What would you not subtract really, but add to it? And when that sort of picture gets built, then um, people tend to take that and run with it. And, and they'll, even if they stumble, they'll pick each other up and keep running because we see something that's a sort of this really literal win-win together. So, so that's part of the, let's get everybody aligned and go in the same direction. And I believe the lasting results are about when we look at each other and say, hey, we really, what difference are we making and how's it going? Which gets to your, how do you know? Some of it is at the beginning sitting down and saying, you know, what would we want in three years? What would it look like? Not we'll be at $1.7 million, we'll be, you know, 6.6 .6 people, whatever. It's not that, but more the qualities. Like what would that amount of money or the number of people be doing? Maybe we figure out a way to get there with four. Maybe it takes eight. I don't know. But if we have the outcomes very clear, the, even if they're intention, we need to be profitable and we need everybody to have great salaries. Uh, you know, that's, <laughs> that's hard to do together. But you know what? Yeah. The choices we need to make are the ones where those overlap because mm -hmm. that will get us to both of those. So we got to think about these, sometimes people call them polarities, but the, the different things pulling on us, if we keep knowing that and paying attention to it and people adjust as we go, we will hit those lasting results. Mm -hmm. Well, um, one of the things you just uh, 
alluded to was having uh, you know shared goals and strategies a really important aspect of creating those so and strategy is very close to my heart as a strategic consultant so nice. i i wonder why do you focus on strategic thinking as part of your work with teams because that's kind of an extension of that whole what mm -hmm. people often see as a separate process which of course it's not but yeah it, it, it's going to it's going to sound simple when i maybe describe my perspective i don't think it is easy um if there is nothing bigger than me and the team we don't have a team hmm. we're just a bunch of people that show up and do work Right. So, so there, I believe teams form best when there's something bigger than everybody on the team. There's nobody like, I know this and you all, you know, serve me and we'll get there, whether that's a leader or anybody on the team. So if we look at something and say, what's worth investing eight to 10 hours of our life, five days a week or more in, in the next six, eight, 10 months, what's worth that? Uh, and when, when we talk, and then some people are going to be like, I get to pay for my kid's college. I get to have a house, you know, that's fine. That's cool. Um, and other people are going to be like, I'm fulfilling my life's desire. And I see somebody look at me and smile and I know they're going to take whatever we've done and they're going to run with it. And that is pumping me up. Um, mm. So I, I think it has to be, ideally it's shared, but there can, as I just mentioned, there could be different things. That's okay. People have different stuff, but if we don't have anything shared, we don't have a team. I mean, really, frankly, there's why, why be a team? There's no need for it. Sure. Right. And teamwork is hard. It's not easy. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things you, you talk about on your site about creating, wanting to create positive outcomes with, through team building is holding each other accountable. And I mean, I've, it's, it, that's not a, a, a completely unique um, goal, but it's no. so hard to achieve. So how do, how do you encourage people to do that in a way that's going to keep the team working well and and yeah, together. I'm I'm a big big fan, uh, an uber fan, uh, Patrick Lencioni, and mm -hmm. a lot of the work that he's done because the models in my over the past 17 years I've been applying them and, and even longer really really work. And one of the models he has is around team health has has peer accountability as the fourth layer in the model. So I'll just uh, you know, the first one is if we don't have vulnerability based trust, if I can't say, wow, I was wrong, or Ursula, you are. I need your help or um, I'm sorry that I made that mistake. We're not going to be able to have any kind of healthy conversation. That's differences of opinion. Cause I'm just going to be protecting myself. We have those differences of opinion. We wrestle through them. We have a commitment, not agreement, but a commitment. Okay. So we're agreed to this. Now I think it makes it a lot easier. And by the way, agreement to, I'm sorry, commitment to both the goal and behavior while we get there. It's not, mm -hmm. yes, I make this, but there's a pile of dead bodies that I cr crawl over, you know, <laughs> not okay, you know, or I'm a wonderful person, but we just, eh, whatever, we never make it. So both of those commitments, and that requires more of me and more of you. Now, I think when we have that sort of preconditions of, we got trust, we had great discussion, we have deep commitment, it's very clear, then when I can come to you and say, Ursula, you know, that report that is part of what we're doing, it's been four weeks. And you said you were going to get a three and what's happening. Can I help you? I mean, that's accountability. That's not mean like I catch you speeding. It's, it's that I'm helping you or willing to say, you know, when you're showing up late to the meetings unprepared, I can't contribute. So what can, can I do differently? Mm -hmm. um, and it also takes people reaching down and feeling like this is the weird, one of the interesting things. I think uh, we just did a group of, of accountants that, that's a 12 accountants from a large university who are in charge of, you know, financial records and things, not the most outgoing people, 
you know, sort of like I'll fill my Excel cell in, you fill your Excel cell in. When they add up, we have a team, you know, it wasn't. And, and by the end of two days, we got them from, you know, very standoffish to, you know what, if I don't hold you accountable, I'm sort of saying you're insufficient. I'm saying, I don't think you can get better. Like, yeah. and they just were sort of like, oh my God, I'm letting you down by not holding accountable, not being nice to you by not holding you accountable. Ah. And I'm letting yeah. the team down and we're not going to get to this commitment. So it was that, that's sort of bigger than me. Well, I don't like this. And you know what, if I don't do it, how can we get better? Right. So yeah. So that's, yeah. Well, what a great perspective in terms of uh, you're actually hurting the other person by not acknowledging that change is possible, that they're able to respond in a situation once you make them aware of it. And it's, uh, yeah, that's a whole other dimension in addition to reaching the mutually agreed goals. Almost everybody cares. And how that caring is showing up and helping is when you ask the questions around, they can go, wait a minute, this caring is not helping. I'm actually hurting me, the team, everybody else. So I'll yeah. step into this discomfort. Um, then you can, I mean, it's still hard. There's, I, we, I do this stuff all the time. I still have time. I get sweaty. I get nervous. I'm like, oh, I don't want to, you know, this is a big deal for this person. It is an idea we're talking about and trying to make a change, but they're going to take it personally because they care and I care. Yeah. So, whoa. But if, if I'm not willing to, as the leader, step into that, my team's probably not going to. Well, one of the, the places that teams interact is in a meeting setting. And for most people, meetings are kind of the, the bane of their oh, yeah. existence in an organization because they're, they're often not effective. So how do you, uh, I, I know you facilitate a lot of meetings, but how do you get people to work effectively together in meetings? Mm-hmm. Um. That is probably, you know, and, and that's actually, uh, I wrote a book called Ripple, um, a field manual for leadership that works. That's sort of a lot of, hey, work on these skills that people look at and go, oh, I can do that, you know, and be better. I have a lot of people who've said, well, I'm just a team member. I'm not a leader. So I'm probably going to write a, a book that's similar, but with coming from the team perspective, because you're right, it's, it's like torture for a lot of people. Um, you know, death by updates and stuff like that. <laughs> right. First, there's a couple of key conditions. One of them is, what do we want out of this meeting? And usually it's a pre-meeting with a leader if I'm facilitating. Like, what do we want out of this meeting for the business, for this unit, for your team, for you? And it could be different things, but we need to, like, what is that goal? And then how much is that reasonable? You know, it's like uh, a five-year strategic plan with all the things fleshed out in three hours. Probably <laughs> not going to happen. How far can we get in three yeah. hours? So that's part of it. The other part is what work, and this is a key thing, what work can we do here that there is no other way we can do? Usually it's conflict, it's commitment, it's disagreeing, it's seeing that people aren't trying to kill you, they're just frustrated with the situation and you are too, you know, and that face-to-face -face or if you can do it virtually, fine, but um, I think being able to get feedback on how that's hitting somebody makes a big difference. So, you know, it's like updates. Well, we, we constrain ours, what you're doing this week and what help you need with the 90 seconds each. So we all know in five minutes or 10 minutes or whatever, what everybody's working on, but we haven't spent four hours doing it. Right. It's not justifying existence. It's like, okay, with that in mind, what's the big thing we need to tackle? Where are we having challenges? Um, you know, as much objectivity as possible, like here's our metrics and we look, we look at ours every week. And we've had some months, well, in January, it was a very low sales month. And everybody's like, wow, we're getting kind of nervous here. What do we do? That was the conversation we need to have. Like, what do we do? Not everybody shakes their 
you know, puts their shoulders up and kind of go, well, I don't know, you know, I'm, nobody's saying anything about it, so I'm not going to do anything, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. So make it yes. substantive. It's a tough spot to be the one who brings up a difficult issue, but if it, if that kind of environment and, and uh, precedent is set, then it's easier to do that in a meeting setting. What what kind of things have you seen where, where they either go off the rails or where, um, you know, you've seen really highly effective meetings since... Yeah, I mean, I find that um, meetings that don't stay with the agenda mm -hmm. can be uh, really, I can just take forever and draw, draw a lot of time that isn't specific to why people came in the first place, because people tend to attend based on the agenda. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I find that, um, I mean, my, my thing my clients comment on most often is that if there's someone leading the meeting, facilitating it in some way, who isn't paying attention to staying on point, staying on the timing, mm -hmm. and uh, that can really be a major detriment because you can go on forever without yep. those that kind of structure. And it may not be the perfect setting to work things out, but at least you can make progress and people can get back to their other commitments at yeah. the same time. I've, I've used a couple tools. I mean, these aren't uncommon one of them and i've seen little team you know small teams use this it doesn't have to be facilitated using it but they put a thing up a sheet or part of the whiteboard or whatever they call that the parking lot i like to have short-term and long-term parking and short-term parking means that issue what what we're that we're discussing needs to be done by the end of the meeting but now it's not the time you know like somebody in their 90 second update starts starts talking about how the computer system's not working Mm -hmm. Okay, we need to talk about that. Let's put that in short-term parking. Or in the long-term parking, it'd be like, what's our strategic perspective on how we're going to approach the market and our comp competition? And somebody bring that up, and you're like, hmm. And, and I try to deputize everybody. Anybody can go, hey, is that a parking lot issue? You know, because everybody knows, oh, my God, here we go, rat hole, right? But if you capture it and put it on the wall where people can see it or on a, on a, a screen, it helps people let go of it. Because the reason they're bringing it up is like, if I don't keep bringing this up, we're never going to address it. Right. And so that can help. The other thing I, it was kind of fun. I made these, have you ever been to those all you can eat? Um, they're typically South American, Brazilian kind of restaurants where they have the little thing, red, green. Yeah, I have, I have not, but I've heard about them. Right. So if you have green up, they keep bringing you food and you put it down sideways. They kind of wait and red is like, I'm done. I'm finished. Mm -hmm. um, we actually got some of those sort of, they were red, yellow, and green. And they were sort of triangles. And I was in a team of, 32 senior executives from a high-tech company, big meeting, and we had them in front of them, and basically it was their engagement level. Mm. So they'd be on green, and then people would be talking. It was a little tough for the presenters because they would yeah. somebody where they would reach over and like you know two minutes, and they're like yellow, you know, <laughs> and some people are going to red. And when they went to a couple people into red, it's so I said okay, and I looked at them. They were they were a little surprised because like what would engage you? Yeah. It's not all the responsibility of the presenters. What would engage you? And then like, oh, well, if we, you know, if this was a real decision, okay, what decision do we need to make, you know? So it was kind of us being in our own face about what we were going to do so that literally what is our engagement? If we're not engaged, we should move on, stop, change. Yeah. And what a great idea to engage the people who are giving the rating rather than you up there change what you're doing. It's a, it's a co-created situation. Mm -hmm. yeah. It was interesting that some people were a little upset about it. You know, they're like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to turn that thing over. I'm like, well, you're disengaging, aren't you? And right. They went, well, yeah, but I'm like, well, they need to know, don't they? You know, yeah. so I was leading a little there. But. 
<laughs> That's fair. Well, your book is called Ripple, a Field Manual for Leadership that Works. And so I'd love to talk more about leadership. What are your views on leadership that has impact, since we're focused on that topic? Are, are they are impactful leaders born or made? And, and what does it take to be that kind of leader? So I'm in the made category. I don't think anybody's born. There are people that have some qualities that make it easier for them to lead, and they're more wired to that. You know, I would mm -hmm. say the biggest, um, interestingly, in my perception and my experience, the one factor that probably is the biggest thing is how much you care about people. If you, because I think anybody can do leadership behaviors, anybody can. And a lot of the work we do is like, here are the leadership behaviors. How can you do these to get the results you need? And some of them are like, the guy's like, okay, I'm going to go in and say hi to everybody. If that's something that's helpful, you think, well, do it. And they're like, they go and check a box. Now, it's not as good as somebody who's earnestly connecting with people, but it, it's, it, it, they don't sit, the employees don't sit there and go like, oh, the boss hates me. Oh, he said hello to me. Um, so I say that uh, everybody can be a leader. I think great leaders need to care about people. Um, let's see, what was the rest of your question? That was the born made thing. So I think <laughs> yeah. we help make leaders, but we actually help leaders make themselves, really, I think, more than make leaders. Well, that actually answered the, the second question, which is what does it take? But how do, you, how do you develop as a leader? What kinds of things can people do? Assuming you're starting from this point of caring, mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean you have the skills to be a great leader. Yes. And unfortunately, or fortunately, everybody shows up at their first job with, you know, how they were led or how they were parented or how they, you know, whatever. That's the, that's our tool belt right then, you know, and, and so frequently it's unlearning things that were unhelpful and learning things and trying them out and just improving. I think it's a spirit of, of kind of, um, not necessarily continuous improvement because that can feel continuously inadequate, like you're never good enough, but the ability to sort of look at what you're doing and step back and go, huh, what's the impact? So when I wrote the book, I, I really broke down being a leader into three main pieces and each piece has a kind of subset. But the first one is how do you know and show up yourself? So am I in, am I, do I know myself and am I in action around the things that matter to me and other people around me? If I'm not doing that, my, people are going to like be second guessing and make up stories and I'm not taking action on those things that everybody's sitting there going, well, somebody's got to do something on this or it's not me kind of thing. So that's the first part of leadership, the first ripple as it is. Um, mm -hmm. How do I know myself really deeply, what matters to me, and then how am I showing up? Second one is how am I interacting with others since leadership? I don't think there's any leaders that just sit in a vacuum. Right. And, and there's two pieces to that as well. One of them is how am I showing up in a way that communicates that I respect you? How, you know, in all the things I'm doing, and some of that means I might push on you really hard because I don't respect you. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, you get what you get. Right? Or no, I think there's more here that maybe you don't see. I believe it's there. Let's work on it together. That's deep respect. Yeah. And then from that becomes sort of this, and it's used negatively, but enabling or how they're empowering and all those words, but really how am I equipping you as another person to use your strengths that we just kind of know more about um, to your benefit and the organization's benefit. So, okay, now we're pumped up. We're all, we're all cooking together. Okay, now let's both go work on the systems in the business. Then the next piece is how do we get really effective? Are we doing the right things first? And then the second thing is efficiency. How are we doing those things right? Because if we're doing the wrong things very efficiently, which a lot of companies do, it's just wasting resources and people. Um, mm -hmm. Better to have something that's effective, but we're still learning how to get better at it 
Okay, fine. And in a lot of organizational improvement stuff, they focus on the very last thing. How do we go from 90 to 99%? <laughs> how, how, do we, how do we make this really, really good? And then when that doesn't work, they back up and go, oh, wait, uh, we need to be effective. We're doing the wrong things. So let's do different things. And then they'll back up a little bit. If that's not working, go, oh, we're not giving you the tools. Silly us, you know. Oh, that's because we're not respecting you and really understanding what your strengths are different from somebody else's. And then it gets really personal because it comes to you as a leader. It's like, how are you showing up? Do you know what yeah. you really care about? Or are you just kind of living your life out? Well, to me, that's so much part of impact is how you show up every day. And it's a, it's a choice. It's a decision on how you're going to do that. How are you going to choose to affect people? It, it is, you know, I'm sure when you're working with leaders, you find it too. When people sort of that realization really deeply sets in on them, it's a little, it's intimidating. Yeah. That's like, what? Yeah. You mean the way I like answer the phone or the way I walk in or whatever, that's going to affect everybody? Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Now, now what are the results you're getting? Do you want to change that or not? The cool part is you have an ability to affect it. The not cool part is that just everything you do matters, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And that's true for everybody, not just leaders. Mm. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I think that sort of everybody is a leader because they have impact each other. And in my book, I talk about my son bouncing across the couch cushions and his three year younger sister bouncing across the couch. He's leading. He's like setting the example. <laughs> you know, is he consciously doing that? No, he's like, whatever he does, she's going to do. So right. we, we all learn that way and we work the other yeah. way. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Chris, I'd love to dive a little bit into your business and some of the choices that you've made in the way that Things are done at the Trebuchet Group. And I'm, you have a model of multiple consultants. And uh, w is it fair to say that it's kind of a partnership between folks that you have within the company and, and those outside and together you're partnering to deliver things to your clients? Is that a fair way to describe it? Yeah, that's it? a fair way. I think we even partner with our clients. I mean, we really see ourselves as we say we, and we mean the team us included. We don't say you and us, you know. Mm -hmm. um, we have some folks that, yeah, when they have some special skills, they have their own business and we need them um, at times to help clients. Yeah, we'll, we'll reach out and say, hey, we think there's something here that could be really powerful. Michael Klingen is one of our colleagues that associates that, that has, he's an amazing process improvement guy who does not hit you in the head with a book about process improvement. He's really asking the questions and just bringing. That's highly appreciated, I'm sure. Oh my gosh. A lot of people, it's sort of a, and I don't mean to be critical, it's sort of a religious experience. Like you either have to embrace this entire tool set or not. And he's right, like, right. hey, let's just bring the tools at work, which we love. Um, we have some coaches that are fantastic coaches and we can help them based on their personalities and what they like to do. We can see an opportunity and say, Hey, could you help us? We're coaching seven people on this team. These two people seem like they would benefit from the coaching that you do. Most of our folks. So the six that we have are employees. So we're really committed to them. That's that B Corp. You know, we're not just contracting. Good luck. It's more mm -hmm. of those folks are the ones that do all our core pieces of facilitation and coaching and uh, team building, or I should say team development, because you know, team building sounds like those foam swords. <laughs> and that's kind of, you know, how do we help people get clear about from purpose all the way down to what you and I are doing next week? You know, all the connections through that sort of stack of direction all the way down to how we make it work. Hmm. So what are some of the challenges that have come up in that? Because that's a kind of diffuse group to kind of pull together and, and maintain a culture within your company that's going to uh, project the kind of uh, experience or, or 
I mean, I don't, I don't want to use the word image, but provide the client with the kind of experience that you want them to have. What are, what's, what's challenging about that? Yeah, that you hit the nail on the head. It's around, you know, how do we honor the individual and their passions and their deep knowledge and where they want to grow along with where the client has all those things and, and how do we do that in a way that helps the business and the people? So that is the, that's the, you know, hundred thousand dollar question or whatever. <laughs> um, well, the couple things we do, if you go back to, so it could be the engineer and me, um, we use some things from great game of business. That's a pretty neat book. And uh, it's a concept about helping everybody in the business understand how the business works and everybody influences and measures and forecasts different parts of the business. So every week we look at a set of metrics that if I don't actually do any of those, the rest of the team does those. And um, they'll say, here's how many, here's how many conversations we've had based on what's been logged in our customer relationship management software. Our goal is this many, here's where we are for the month, you know, um, we're yellow. Okay, and it's not me saying we're yellow, it's the person who's measuring it saying we're yellow and we have a conversation around that. So that's part of it is that we're trying to be, in, we are so transparent. I wouldn't recommend this for everybody. When we look at the budget, there are line items for everybody's salary. So every, everybody can see what I'm making and what everybody else is making in the business. Right. Because we're trying to make it just completely like we're trying to add value together. What do people need? How do we make it work? The other piece is that um, when we're working together, uh, we've not only got the metrics, but we're also examining our behaviors and seeing how we're working together. And to that point, we have both a shared, this is some of the culture shaping was, we have a significant portion of our profit that's set aside for uh, a team event or something the team gets to do and another bucket that's set aside for um, shared equally within all the team members. Hmm. So, so last year, everybody got basically a bonus paid quarterly over the year. And we had one quarter where, well, I mean, actually had a couple quarters where we changed some things in the business and everybody looked at each other and said, is this the right thing to do? Because we're, we're kind of going to use our bonus here. And that everybody said, yep, we're committed. Okay. Um, we actually just last week got back from four days in Mexico with families and significant others where we spent some time together. And that was the, what the team collectively said, here's what we want to go do with that bucket of profit that we made last year. So it's, it's, we're trying to make it both, yes, it's about your salary, but it's also the systems also reinforce, you know, if we can add to this profit, everybody gets to share in that. So it drives more team behavior. Yeah. Well, in that whole culture shaping, I love that term. Uh, it's so important because there, um, that Pete made me think of that Pete Drucker quote about culture eats strategy for breakfast. Mm -hmm. So much of what you do and what I do is around strategy, but culture can really just ride right over that because if you don't take the, time, energy, effort to build a culture that's going to, you know, bring teams together and, and really help the company come together. That's, uh, it can really wreak havoc with your strategy. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you can have the most brilliant strategy and the person in the front desk picks up phones like, yeah, what do you want? You know, it's not going <laughs> to go very far. So, so we, right. these are some of the mechanisms we use, but it's how do we connect everybody in the company to what we're doing? So again, it's that common shared, here's what we're going to go do. And here's my role in that. And how can I be better yeah. rather than I come and do my job and hopefully it'll roll up and eventually we'll go to Mexico. Right. Yeah. Which comes back to that accountability thing again. So. Yeah. Yeah. So those are some of the things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, 
something I've been asking people, and uh, it's so much been in people's awareness around this idea of having a morning ritual or morning practice, how it sets you up for best use of your energy. And uh, do you have a morning practice that you do that that does that or no? You know, I, I think... I have a mental, well, let's see. I have a set of morning practices that I inconsistently do every day. <laughs> so there's, there's a thing about I bike to work almost every day. So there's, that's in there. Don't know exactly what time. Um, we still have three kids in the house. So that tends to influence morning rituals a lot. Sure, um, yeah. I try to squeeze in meditation three times a week. So it's not an everyday thing. And actually, one of my, it's not a, it's not a really set in stone goal, but I'm leaning towards figuring out just what you say, like what would be a really effective morning ritual I could commit to. I usually wake up before my alarm every day and sit and think. And I use the uh, blessing kindness kind of meditation where I think about people I care about and wish them, I, I ask for them to have safety and happiness and healthiness and to be at peace, mm-hmm. including people who I maybe struggled with in the previous day or recently. And so I, I sort of lay there and think about those things. I wouldn't say it's as disciplined and consistent as I would like. So that's something I'm working on. It's always a challenge when, uh, especially when things are busy and with three kids in the house, that's quite a, quite an undertaking. Yeah. Be like, dad, mom, you know, (laughs) I can't find my shoes or whatever, you know? And it's like, well, that kind of nicks at the meditation a bit. It's kind of like, Oh, right. What am I going to do here? Yeah, exactly. Well, Chris, the way I always wrap up these interviews is to um, ask a, a rapid round of three questions. So are you, are you game? I'm, I'm totally game. I'm excited. Great. All right. So the first one is, what's the biggest thing you've learned about having impact? I think that it comes down to personal responsibility and a willingness to also give yourself space to get better, to forgive mm-hmm. yourself as you take on more and more responsibility. I love that space to get better. Yeah. Thank you. So second question is, what's the one thing you've consistently done that's contributed to your success and impact the most? I have made sure that I have rock-solid relationships at home, that I can always feel a solid foundation of I'm good enough, I'm accepted, it's okay, and that has allowed me to take risk in places where I don't have as much confidence or ability to know what the outcome is going to be. That is great. That's so important. The, the relationships being kind of the foundation of your confidence in, in the world. Yes. The last question is what's one piece of advice or an insight you'd share with another business owner who's saying, I want to have more impact. How, what would you say to them about how to do that? Two parts. First thing I would say is what kind of impact do you want to have? Mm-hmm. What would that look like by when? And getting clarity around that impact will help people from getting in the more is always better treadmill. Um, right. the, the other part is, as part of that, if people go, what do you mean? I say, well, what matters to you? And having people have permission for themselves to care about and take action on what matters to them, paradoxically, there's a lot of CEOs who aren't in those spaces. And so, or, or any business leader at any level, it's like, well, I'm doing this because the business needs it. Yes. And if there's no fuel for you, it's not going to last. So how do we make that fuel? And sometimes that's even going outside the business to like, I have projects where I build things and I have a garden and it's because I love hands-on stuff. The work I do has nothing hands-on. It's completely intangible. I know that about myself. So honoring myself need for that is one way that I know I can have that lasting impact. 
That's great. Well, Chris, thank you so much for being here today. I know that your work with teams is, and the things you've shared, are, it's really valuable for people to think about how, how can you help make your teams function more? What can you do as a team member, as a leader? Um, and uh, and the, the work that you're doing around leadership is, is so valuable. So thanks so much for being here today to talk about that. Definitely my honor. I appreciate the impact you're making by asking people about impact. You know, like just being that sort of deliberate, deliberateness behind that makes a big difference to whether we're going to hit it or not. Mm, yeah, thank you. I, I agree with you. So if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Well, let's see. Our, our website is trebuchetgroup.com. I'd spell that out, but I'm sure it'll have a link or something. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that's a really good place. We're going we're going through, as probably everybody does every once in a while, we're trying to slim down our website to make it more action-oriented. We're going to have some cool videos on there with interviews from our clients that were unscripted. We just put a camera in front of them, or none of the company did, and got what, where were they at the start and where were at the end. And, and uh, I think those are kind of fun to see what's possible and where, where people can make a difference. Um, we also... Let's see. The other places, I'm, I'm on Twitter, rippleleader is a handle, and then I think there's LinkedIn as well. But um, website's probably the best place. Great. Okay. And where can people get your book? They can get our book. It's probably the easiest through Amazon. We actually have a limited number of hardcovers that we have here at the office. I think it has us as, you know, one of those other distributors kind of thing mm-hmm. um, after Amazon looks first. So there's paperback version. There's a Kindle version. There's an audio version. And um, it's kind of, you can listen to me talk for six hours. It's pretty <laughs> fun. But um, I think any of those, because there's a lot of people who are on the road and don't have time to look at a book. Um, but yeah, those are, it's available pretty much at all those places. And I think if you ask for it, you can, if you get one of the hardcovers, I'll sign it for you. Chris has a special offer for Work Alchemy podcast listeners. You can buy the book directly from his website, rippleleader.com, and get free shipping. Just use the code WORKALCHEMY. This offer is also in the show notes. Well, Chris, thanks so much for the work you're doing in the world. First of all, thank you as well, and I appreciate being here and getting to have this great conversation. Yeah, me too. Join us for more episodes. Subscribe to the Work Alchemy podcast on iTunes or Stitcher Radio so you'll know as soon as new episodes are available. You can even help spread the word. Leave a review if you like what you've heard. Thanks for listening. Until next time, for ongoing support so you can have your own impact, join our community of entrepreneurs like you by liking the Work Alchemy Facebook page.